Coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina, and across the sandy beaches of the Carolina coast, take warning, this is Kaniac Sessions. Kaniac Sessions. Providing you with in-depth coverage of your Carolina Hurricanes. And now, let's get on to the session with your hosts, Griff and A.B. Hello out there, Kaniac Nation. Thank for joining us again for Session 12 of Kaniac Sessions. I'm Griff. I'm A.B. And today we've got uh, an excellent session for you guys. Uh, A.B. and I sat down with Mike Maniscalco, uh, your play-by-play for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, We had a great conversation with him, and uh, Mike's just a great guy. We're so lucky to have him. Uh, But before we get you over to that, first things first, we're brought to you by DraftKings. As a member of THPN, that's the Hockey Podcast Network, Uh, sports gambling is coming to North Carolina. Hockey season's off and running. The MLB playoffs are here. So download DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code THPN when doing so to score some bonus bets. Uh, We are also partnered with SeatGeek. So if you want to go get some tickets, first-time users can use promo code Kaniac Sessions. That's one word, no space between Kaniac and Sessions. And score $20 off your first purchase. So utilize that. And uh, yeah, great. So before we get you over there, let's check on AB. Are you doing okay this evening, AB? Ready for the homestand to start. Yes. Got the road trip out of the way. And you'll hear from Mike about this in a, uh, in a, just a few seconds. Um, just ready to, come back home, get in front of the Caniacs, and hopefully, you know, start to get the momentum going. Yeah, we got a little bit to talk about, right, on this road trip. I mean, we covered a lot of it in our last session, but, um, you know, Tampa happened, and then a couple things to talk about, and then preview the uh, home stand back-to-back, which is tonight, as you're listening to this, is Seattle, and then tomorrow night uh, against San Jose. So uh, before we do that, though, We are going to get you over to our interview with Mike Maniscalco. We really hope you guys enjoy it. You are listening to Kaniac Sessions. All right. Joining us for Session 12 is a very special guest uh, we have with us today. I'm sure many of you know who he is. If you've paid attention to this team for any period of time, he is the voice of your Carolina Hurricanes. And in my opinion, he's one of the best at his job across the entire NHL. Um, he is the co-host of the official podcast of the Carolina Hurricanes, the Canes cast. He's the play-by-play announcer, Mike, the big rig, Maniscalco. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Mike, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, Welcome back from the road. How was it? I'm hoping good times on the West Coast. Um, Yeah. Uh, the, The one good thing about it was the, the pacing of, of the trip was fine. You didn't spend too much time in a city, which uh, the, the pluses is you get to explore a city when you have a couple of days off in it. The negative is when you're on the road, it feels like you're in that city for about 12 years as opposed to like three or four days. <laughs> right. um, so that's good. Uh, other than uh, some of the results, the, the trip was great. You know, and, and I, for one, 
when you look at these West Coast trips to start, guys, I look at it as a plus because I would rather get this over with early than have to go out West in, in January or February. Uh, give me more home games. Give me a little bit easier of that East Coast travel right now. And, you know, the, the one thing about the early portion of the schedule, you never know what teams are going to be like. You know, we, we all sit here yeah. all off season long. This team's going to be great. This team's going to be bad. Well, you find out when you get on the ice what uh, what some of these teams are going to look like. So uh, overall, travel was fine. Uh, there were no no issues to speak of. So that's a, that's a good thing. And uh, now the Canes get ready to get a couple of games at home, uh, much needed games at home, by the way. Well, yes. at least you didn't run into the state fair traffic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of yeah. did. I kind of did going to the airport. So oh, the okay. Well, I got a question for you, Mike. So your journey in the sports field began at Buffalo State College in 1993. And you had plans of playing football. Uh, ultimately, those plans took a bit of a turn. But what led uh, that into sports broadcasting? Uh, well, it's it's funny because I wanted to be a writer, uh, honestly, because uh, I'm I'm a dinosaur now, guys. I'm really old. So uh, <laughs> back when I was in school, like everybody wanted to be a columnist, uh, and I was uh, in 1993 that was like right at the cusp when sports talk radio was starting to break nationally. I know this sounds odd, but my God, when I say this, it's 30 years ago, uh, <laughs> not every city had a 24 hour sports talk station. Uh, in fact, ESPN wasn't even a Monday through Friday thing yet. When it comes to radio, uh, the goal was you either wanted to be a columnist and, and write for a major paper and cover a big team, or you wanted to get on sports center. So as my writing skills, as one of my great professors, and I can never thank her enough, uh, as I forced my way into an advanced class when I was a freshman, goes, you had maybe one sentence that would get into a real newspaper. That, that was a humbling <laughs> experience. Uh, she goes, you should get into broadcasting because you've got good thoughts. You can articulate them there. So uh, that came out. The, uh, the, I, I blame it on a, a knee injury, but it was really going to be the lack of talent that was going to keep me from being an athlete, uh, from being a football player. But uh, I got hurt. It was uh, something that was off season, and then uh, that that came to pass. And I always wanted to do something in the sports field. Um, I I actually initially thought I was going to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach, uh, and then I just got into broadcasting. And I'll give the, the quickest version of this. So it was a student run radio station at Buff State. And um, think of every movie from the 90s about college where there were two guys who would always go into the back room and come out with a cloud of smoke. Well, they ran our uh, student radio station and the conversation went like this. Uh, and it was my sophomore year. It's like sports dude. The other sports dude doesn't keep showing up. So you're always here. So you're the new sports dude. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Uh, and they named me the sports director. That's how I officially got the title. And then uh, from there, the, the ride hasn't stopped. So movies, we're pretty much talking about like Animal House, Tommy Boy, uh, Caddyshack, stuff like that. That's kind of how it was. Half, perhaps half-baked. <laughs> yes. yes. So I was just sitting I was just sitting in the lobby doing homework. And these two guys come out and... Uh, fast times at Ridgemont High. On high, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, I wish uh, wish my college professor would have talked me into the sports or the sports broadcasting route. They uh, no, you need yeah. to thank them, Griff. Thank oh, them I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm an accountant, Mike. It's uh, 
pretty rough. I'm still in college. So. My, my wife is an accountant, and because of that, yeah. I was allowed to stay in this sports. Business. There you go. <laughs> Fair. All right, so kind of going off of that, a lot of people, and including me, would love to have your job, right? Um, can you give us some insight into some of your favorite aspects of your job and you know, maybe what some of those things you wish were different or, you know, the good and the bad, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, the good is I, I just, I, I don't think about it going into a game, but you, you go back and you realize when a big moment happens, you know, how I react to it is what's going to be attached to it for a long time. Yeah. And, and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not in this for, uh, here's my catchphrase and, you know, going down into history. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, but it's pretty cool that when those moments happen uh, and you can separate yourself from the job for a second and be like, that was awesome. And then you hear the replay later and it's still a little surreal for me. Like when you go home and, you know, I'll be watching NHL network or a highlight comes on and, and that's the call. Uh, and, and when you get it right, you know, there's even in, in the accounting world, you know, you'd know this one, Griff, when you get the bottom line to work out, you're like, yes, nailed it. Uh, That's right. And maybe right. just stay in school for as long as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple uh, more years and I'm going to sports management, sports broadcasting. So. It's I'm seeing we started off with movies. I'm going to go with Billy Madison. You got to cherish yes. it. Don't you ever leave. You stay as long as you can. Um, <laughs> but no, those are the those are the moments uh, for me that are great. But I, I mean, I just love doing the job and then uh the the group that we have right now with you know trip as my analyst who's you know just fantastic his hockey knowledge i think has been so underrated and underappreciated um he has made my life easier working with shane willis who is just outstanding as as good of a human being as you want to find certainly the team makes a huge difference and now adding hannah yates who's just a, a pure professional that chemistry when when it's rolling that's what's fun for me and it's for me uh, having the dreams of, of wanting to be an athlete. It's the closest thing for me that keeps me to it and, and kept me to it. So uh, that's the good part. Uh, the, the There are, you know, it's a job. It's, it's mm -hmm. still work. Right. Um, there are things that will happen, you know, behind the scenes um, that, you know, are out of your control. Uh, the tough part for being broadcasters is anything that goes wrong during a broadcast we're the conduit to the fans. So like they'll reach out and why are you showing this or why did, and I'm like, well, I'm kind of calling the game right now, but yes, I decided to pull the plug and the screen went black. That was my fault. And, you know, sometimes uh, technical errors happen, but um, it, I, I'm never going to say as far as the, the bad side of it goes. And, and there is again, like any job you, you deal with enough there, there are things a lot of, for me, it's a lot of the outside forces where younger me, it would really bother me. Um, but then you just learn to what to ignore and what you take to heart and, and what matters. So uh, you can't have thin skin to do the job. And, and that comes yeah. from uh, inside and, and outside. Uh, you, you have to be able to live with that and, and that's fine. And some people have it, some people don't. Some people are really good at ignoring everything. Um, but you know, that would, I think for me, uh, there's there's so many answers to this question, Griff, uh, mm -hmm. that I could I could go on for about 30 minutes and give you an answer. But I think that with social media today, the the way that you can be reached and the way you can reach others and get message out there, it's a two way street. It's really great 
when things are going great. Um, but then there's a lot of folks out there who, you know, they're just going to do what they want to do. You, you learn to ignore that stuff. In a and, bad mood all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then at the, yeah. at the same time, like, you know, if you guys have ever put out a podcast, you know, and you, you miss a stat, there's somebody just sitting there, oh, I can't wait to, you know, here's my contribution <laughs> to social media today. Um, and that's, you know, that's fine. You you will learn to move past that. Uh, but for, for me, it's like anything. You, you don't get too high with compliments. You don't get too low with any negativity that's out there. And then, like I said, the best part, this team is so great. I just have to stay out of the way and, and tell everybody what's going on. And, and hopefully... Uh, you know, the, the way that it's going, uh, I'm not worried about the start to the season. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, the way that this team plays there, there's a highlight every night for me to call in one way, yeah. shape or, or form. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, Justin, I've been fortunate. I, I, I will use the word blessed to when the doors have been opened for me in my career that I'm able to walk through them and, and get these opportunities. That's excellent. Do you, do you ever get the, do you ever take the opportunity to just kind of take it all in certain nights, you know, like, I mean, I imagine the stadium series, you know, last year you, you'd be in down, I know you were down next to the, uh, the glass, but just looking around and taking it all in. Uh, I imagine you have some pretty special moments doing that. Yeah. That, that actually is, is the number one right now. Um, did I, I made sure I took a moment and I just looked around Carter Finley and you just soak it all in. Cause when are you going to have that experience Again, you know, it, it'll never, and if it does come again, it'll never be the first. So I right. made sure, I, I mean, for a moment, I, I try to, you know, I have a job to do, but I tried to, I tried to fanboy out on that one as much as I could, you know, <laughs> taking video and uh, taking as many pictures as, as I could. And, you know, those, those are the times where you really appreciate it. Uh, playoff moments, you know, that moment yeah. before a game seven where you know you go over thing you do all your prep you go over everything you're going to talk about for the game and then you take that one for me you take that one last breath before the puck drops and you're like all right here we go uh so, so game seven eliminating the bruins the, the max domi game a couple of years ago uh that's one where i i make sure i take the second to just you know this is pretty damn cool what uh, what i get to do but you you drink it in because a lot of folks get jaded about this and, you know, I've got to do it this way. No, it's, it's okay. And you guys can tell me, I think that the fans and the people watching and listening actually appreciate it more when the broadcasters are in the moment and realize how big this is and how special this would be for, you know, if you're the Canes broadcaster or if you're the Leafs, you know, just that you're in the moment, it's not just another thing for you. So most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. look, I've, I mean, I've covered final fours. Uh, I've had great moments. Uh, I've got a great Roy Williams story uh, covering UNC in 2009. I know that this is a Canes uh, podcast, but it's no, like, go for it. We love you, basketball. <laughs> no, no, you look, you, you look back on those moments. So it's Oh nine. So, I mean, UNC is a wagon that year, you know, they're, they're not going to get beat. And it, the final four was at Ford field in Detroit and it's Carolina's media obligation. So we're all in the locker room. And it's, you know, football locker. So they're a little bit wide, but Roy Williams is like scrunched into this locker. And I walk past him and I see him and I'm like, coach, that can't be comfortable. You know, he's kind of like scrunched up his knees to his chest. And he goes, Mike, I've never been more comfortable in my life. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, um, so uh, th like those are those are the moments where, you know, I, I think at the time when you're young and you're going through it, you just 
think, okay, I'm on to the next one. And now when you get older, you, you look back on them and you're like, that was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty damn cool to be a part of. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, taking it all in, uh, one of the best memories I have of you is when you interviewed Peter Morosic um, after we had clinched the playoffs for the first time in nine years. And that is like an out of body experience. Um, but speaking of just regular experiences, not out of body, uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what um, is your experience uh, going into a game like day to day, you know, like, what is your ritual? Because all of hockey is filled with rituals, whether it's Sidney Crosby with um, his lucky cup, whether it's players having their sticks not on the ground. You know, what's kind of your routine? Is there like a superstition or is it just, you know, just same uh, same routine, just haven't changed it? You, you, you try to get to a routine. It, it's not a superstition. It's not like I'm sitting there going, well, if I don't have this, you know, drink or eat this breakfast or have this for lunch, it's going to be the worst broadcast of all time. No, I don't, I don't have that. Um, but you, you try to get into, you try to get into a routine where it keeps you as a broadcaster honest. So basically the night before I have all of my notes done um, and with back to backs that, that can be a little bit hard because um, you, you're trying to stay two steps ahead of it. But um, now that I've had some time, you, you learn, I, I call it systems and you check things off. So this system is checked. All right. This system is checked. This is what works for me. Uh, a punch list, if you will, if you want to go down those lines. So you put everything together. Uh, what I will normally do the, if there's a morning skate, you go to the morning skate, you make sure that the lines are good. You talk to the players, you get a couple of stories, you listen to what, uh, Rod Brendamore has to say, and, you know, is, is the line going to look like this? And, you know, Rod uh, has done a really good job of, of picking up coach speak now in his sixth season of what we'll see tonight. Uh, so you, you try to find a few things here and there. But for me, it's just all prep. I'll go back home and I'll watch the opponent's previous game as much as I can. Like I'll, I'll speed through it. Uh, you know, I don't need to watch every single second of it, but like just kind of a refresher. Uh, when you're on the road, you have a little bit more downtime than people think. Uh, you don't have enough time to go exploring and, and you know, only if there's a, a pure off day do you do that. But you, you try to listen to the other team's broadcast, pick up on some notes on what they have, because, you know, I just want to go in. If there's something big that's going to happen for the other team, you do that. Uh, I do get coffee before the game. That's the, the one thing I pick up. Uh, I pick up coffee on the way in and then I just go and I get set up and I, I double check my notes. I, I go up against the, the stats that are there and then you have your pregame rehearsal. You have your pre-production meeting and. Before you know it, you drop the puck, and then you look up, and the game's over, and we're doing the post-game show. Wow. Mm -hmm. Busy evening. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have to – my advice for everybody, like, people always ask me, you know, when they get asked, you know, when they get in the business, you have to love to read, or you have to be good at it, you know, because 90% of my job is reading notes, press clippings, going over stats, and – uh, you know, getting emails, getting texts for things. So, uh, you know, we don't just show up and magically say the names. <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's some there's some prep work that goes into it. It's definitely with player names. We were just doing a live stream. Uh, I was doing a play-by-play -play live stream for our network, the Hockey Podcast Network. There were a couple of Tampa Bay Lightning players' names where I was kind of waiting for you to say it, 
because I was looking at it and I was like, I feel like I'm going to butcher it. Oh, uh, <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Volteri Mar- uh, Morella? Yeah. Yeah. That's that one was, one, that that was one of them. Yeah, there's one. That was so. one of them. And uh, Mikey Isamon, too, I got to know very yeah. well because last year he was having a career. He scored two goals against the, the Canes with two separate teams. <laughs> That's no, right. well, we're not going to talk about that. Three, three separate, yeah. So was he? He was um, at San Jose first last year, right? Yep. Is that right? So yeah. San, yeah. yeah, San Jose, Winnipeg, and then Tampa. So, wow. um, but yeah, it's there. There are pronunciation guides out there. You know, that's the funny thing. Um, there is a, and if the league listens to this and they want to yell at me, they can. Uh, <laughs> the, the league puts out a pronunciation guide, and I I will go by what that is when I haven't heard a broadcast or if. You know, I haven't gotten a chance to check that out. And it's oftentimes slightly incorrect. That's as, I think, politically correct as I can put it. So you check in with the other broadcasters for a name if you're not sure. And the funny thing is you can say it all you want leading into the broadcast. But when the, the play is in action and it's a name you're not familiar with, um, you, you have to – I find that you slow yourself down. And when you slow yourself down – you really enunciate it more and it seems a little forced, but once you get that one or two out of the way, it, it just becomes part of the flow of the game. Uh, for me, the, the name that was always the hardest to say, and now he's out of the league was Valtteri Filpola. I always wanted to add a, another syllable in his name for some reason. And then I finally got it down and he's retired. So <laughs> <laughs> typical. Yeah. Yes. Well, talk in hockey, Mike, I, you've always done a great job. I've, I've listened to Kane's cast for, you know, many, many, many episodes, and you always do a great job of calming me down. <laughs> so I need you to calm me down here. Um, we're all overreacting. I know I have. And, you know, last night I had to kind of take a step back and be like, all right, calm down. It's not, you know, it's seven games in, but they're going to figure it out, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I, I mean, so it's – as a matter of fact, Shane Willis and I just recorded uh, episode 264 of Kane's Cast uh, out tomorrow or today or whenever people are listening to this podcast. Run quickly to Kane's Cast when it's over. Um, and the Canes last year threw seven games. You guys know what their record was through seven games last year? I'm putting you on the spot. I know four and three. Uh, four and oh, three. Okay. Yeah. So really? you know, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a better start last year too. But it was four and three. Shane looked it up, and. You know, nobody's hitting the panic button uh, for what's here. I think when, and even though it wasn't a ton of new players, guys, whenever you put in new players, you're now moving guys around the lineup. One, injuries are a factor. You haven't had Andre Sveshnikov at all in these seven games. You played three of these games without Sebastian Ajo. You've had to go with 11-7, and seven with it, which is not ideal. Like, the Canes can do it, right. uh, but mm-hmm. it's not an ideal way of, of playing, and especially if you're playing, you know, teams that are – high powered, you're always going to get one of the defensemen is going to be out of the mix or not feeling in the flow of the game. Uh, So that becomes a a bit problematic. And then you start double shifting uh, forwards and the forwards love it because they get their minutes. But at the same time, you're now throwing some lines out of whack where you could have kept a a defensive line together. I think Carolina will figure this out. And, And when I say, I think I know they will because this coaching staff, that's what they've done. And that's what they've shown us is what they will do. I was encouraged uh, by the Tampa game, just from the defensive structure, because yeah. how are you going to figure this out, you know, in such a short period of time? And, and they did uh, all of the, a lot of the mistakes that we saw in the previous six games kind of were corrected. 
But the problem was the offense wasn't there. And what was, mm-hmm. if we would have done this, this interview before the start of the season, you guys would have asked me about the power play and where the goal is going to come from. Well, yeah. first yeah. six games of the year, nobody's worried about the power play or the goals. So uh, I don't want to say it's an easy fix, but let's, let's all reconvene around the end of November, early December and see where the team is. And if they are sub 500 there, absolutely. Let's start talking about what's going on here. But uh, this is a big stretch of games. Uh, I, I mean, they're at home. I think they should beat Seattle. They should beat San Jose at home. And a big stretch through the Metro with Philly, the Islanders, and the Rangers. I mean, if, if you come out of these five games four and one, when it's said and done, the Canes will be seven and five. They're only two points out of first in the Metro. Uh, this is See, and by the way, this is what I, I did all those years doing the postgame show. <laughs> when yeah. people leave the parking lot, uh, you, you look for things. Yeah. Are there things that aren't right with this team? Absolutely. There are things that are off course or off kilter or not on the track, but they're all things that I, I'm truly, truly just watching this team the last five seasons, knowing that they'll be able to repair them, fix them or make the right alteration where it won't be a problem all year. And you're going to get Andre Sveshnikov back. You got Sebastian Ajo back. They're going to be without Brett Pesci. The, the release came out today. I'm sure you saw it. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. two to four weeks um, from what we've been told, probably closer to the four weeks uh, with the lower body uh, injury that he sustained and, and maybe a little bit longer than that. Who knows? Because injury secrets now in the NHL are like the nuclear codes. Actually, I think yeah. uh, it's easier to get the nuclear codes uh, for the U.S. Than it is <laughs> to find out, you know, who and why is hurt. And I work for the team. Um, but right. with, with that being said, the goaltending will come up and, and you'll see the save percentages get better. Uh, I, I just think that you'll also, and this was an astute point that Rod Brindamore made about the, the penalty kill. Take a look at all the penalties that were called in the first week, week and a half of the season. That's going to go down. You're going to go down from getting six, seven penalties a game to about three to five in, in that range. And, and you give – and every team has, with the exception of – and sorry, San Jose, but they're missing you know, Logan Couture. Every team has a power play unit or two players that if you give them space on the ice and puck possession, they'll hurt you if, if you fall out of phase. You know, yeah. Ottawa can do it. L.A. can do it. Anaheim has it with Zegris and, you know, Drysdale and, and Vetrano, who's been a thorn in the cane side going back to Florida. Um, you, you go to Seattle, they have, you know, Jared McCann, who's, a, you know, scoring goals for them. They, they figured that out. Colorado's a wagon right now, guys. They might yeah. be the best in the West, all then then you watch Vegas, and, and they refuse to lose right now. So all of those teams mm-hmm. that they lost, even at Tampa Bay, I mean, say what you will um, without Vasilevsky. You have Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and uh, Nikita Kucherov on a power play, and Nick Paul. By the way, they could insert any one of us for Nick Paul, and we'd get about seven power play points. <laughs> that's that's true. So, I mean, that's so true. that's why. So, have I calmed you down? I, I, I try to I try to look at things factually. Yes, there are things that are concerning. You should be concerned about, but I think they're all – it isn't anything where you're like, oh, my God, how does this get repaired? Or, yeah. you know, what do, what do we know or we don't know? We know the goaltending will bounce back for sure. We know the penalty kill will get to, I mean, they've, they've dug a hole percentage-wise, but they'll probably get to at least the middle of the pack by the end of the year. And as long as the power play stays moving the puck the way that they're doing, uh, I have no reason to worry about the Canes. All this, and they're only two points behind the Rangers for first place. That's in the right. Rangers. That's right. Yes. <laughs> we back If we go back-to-back Thursday and Friday night, we're having a complete – different conversations yeah. Saturday morning. So yeah, absolutely. 
but that, that goes with but that goes with in again you can answer this for me that goes with the raised expectations that this team is yeah. expected to win the Stanley Cup and now they're three and four so immediately and, and I get it immediately well what's wrong with the team well you know the other teams get paid to play too and it's a it's a long it's a weird road trip when you start off and you fly Friday to LA and then the next day you play that back-to-back LA Anaheim I think if you had a day in between um, maybe maybe that Anaheim game is different, but you know you, you got to play the games, and we all know the uh, ifs and buts line. So I, yeah, I we're getting spoiled. We're getting yeah. spoiled around here, and you know <laughs> we we don't want to turn into uh, Leafs fans. So oh please, no. just, let's. All just <laughs> I grew up, I grew up with them. Please no tinfoil yeah. Stanley Cups in October. Please. <laughs> That's right, Mike. So. The big thing that all Canes fans are wondering is Andrei Svechnikov. When is he going to be back? In your opinion, is he going to be ready to go Thursday or Friday? I I will. AB is trying to figure out which game he's going to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will. I will err on the side of caution. But the one thing that Rod Brindamore said today, which was, I think, the, the most encouraging thing on Andre's situation is he said it's now up more up to Andre Sveshnikov to say he's ready than the doctors to have to fully give him a green light. And that's the first time we've heard that. Um, I, I will say this, and this might sound a little snobbish or elitist uh, for where the Canes are, but Carolina at this point, they're not worried about October and November. You know, don't get me wrong. You want to win these games. You, you don't want to have to bust it to get into the playoffs. But this is a group that now is concerned of how healthy, how ready are they when March, April, May, June gets here. Um, so if if Andre is not comfortable to play, but I can tell you that he's chomping at the, the bit to get in, um, I wouldn't put it past that you could see him uh, tomorrow, although there's uh, right now no morning skate uh, for the, the game against the Kraken. So mm-hmm. that might delay it. Uh, but I think we're going to see him. Here's my hedge, the bet answer, because they don't tell me. I, I wish that they consulted me on injuries <laughs> and trades and all of these things. For whatever reason, Don and the training staff uh, have, have yet to do that. But I would I would bet sooner rather than later you will see Andre Sveshnikov in the lineup. So let me right. follow up with that. I asked you a question um, on the um, on the Canes cast, and I tried – to see if my question will be answered. I'm not saying that, that it was, but what do you think about Sveshnikov, Aho, and Natchez being on that first line and perhaps Slavin and D'Angelo getting back together? You'll have to listen to Kane's cast to get your answer. <laughs> I'm not answering answer that question. But Shane and I answered that question. So there you go. Uh, um, there you go. You know, to, to get to here's here's the thing about the forward lines for the Canes. Um, you'll see it eventually. I don't know if you'll see that right away, but uh, Rod Brindamore is not afraid to go to combinations. And, and we always think of lines now uh, as trios. You know, we kind of get, well, it's, you know, center, right wing, left wing. These three guys play together. Well, really, it's more about duos and then finding the, the other part that fits and sparks it. Uh, the good thing about this Canes team, uh, I actually did say this on Canes cast, uh, which was if I want to take a positive out of a negative, look at the line of Jesperi Kokiniemi 
centering Stephen Mason and Seth Jarvis. I don't know if you're able to put a line like that together unless there's an injury and moving pieces around the board. So Rod Brindamore, he knows he can go to that line. He knows he can go to Natchez, Ajo, and Svechnikov. He knows he can go to Natchez, Svechnikov, and Kokinetti. He he knows that he can move these pieces along the chessboard the way that he wants to. Um, I don't know if we're going to see Tony D'Angelo get back up with Jacob Slavin just because I think how much Tim Gleason and Rod Brindamore like the pairing of Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns. Uh, I, I think you might see, and we saw it the other day in Tampa, I think you might see Tony D'Angelo and Brady Shea play together because they're familiar with each other from their New York Ranger days. That's true. Uh, I think that I think you'll see that combination because uh, Brady Shea can be a, steady, a steadying force for for Tony D'Angelo. And then you have Dimitri Orlov playing with, you know, Jalen Chatfield and you can keep the lefties and the righties together. You, you know, you're three and three. So uh, I'm, I'm not saying that that won't happen. Uh, and we actually did see it a little bit during the, the game in in Tampa. Some things kind of got mixed up and, and churned, churned up a little bit, but. Uh, I think that if the Canes have their their way, they keep the the burn slave and combination together. But of course, you can listen to Canes cast and find out for sure. Well, Big Tom <laughs> Callahan, that I always Big Tom Callahan from Tommy Boy, it was my senior quote: "Why say no when it feels so good to say yes?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll find out if your question got answered. And he also, Tom Callahan, also had a good line about a butcher. Oh, yeah, you can get a good look of a T-bone, but we won't say the rest of it. (laughs) Wow. It's got to be your bowl. (laughs) Classic. So, Mike, Mike, one more for you, and then we're going to let you get out of here. But today we got some big news that uh, number 14 will be inducted as the fifth member of the Hurricanes Hall of Fame. Can you just give us some insight on what he really means to this organization? You know, like um, what effect does he have on the team in his current role? And, uh, you know, I just will add before you answer that is I, I really think it's a classy move by the, the organization to uh, schedule the night for January 15th against L.A. I think that's just set, that's just setting up to be an amazing night for Justin and his family. Uh, well, first off, and I'm going to make a reference in a mic be dating myself with this one uh you guys are familiar with fonzie from happy days i don't know if i don't know maybe if you are no i've seen it i've seen it my dad put me on some old school movies when i was younger (laughs) so uh if fonzie was a real human being he'd be justin williams he's just that cool you know he's the coolest customer uh he he makes things happen by snapping his fingers or just you know punching the jukebox and it works Um, but (laughs) it's when you talk about his impact that's what he had on his teammates, that he would come in and he would calm down a situation. Uh, But he also could come in because of the reputation that he had and because of the way he played the game and because of the accolades. And, you know, he bristled at Mr. Game 7, but he was. The the facts just pointed it out. I mean, Mm -hmm. when when your name is up there with Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky and the greatest of all times about in in the most pressure-packed moment in the NHL playing in a Game 7, and he is – either better than or on the same page as those guys. And a lot of the cases he's better than he just walks into a room and can, he just can control it. And the way he communicates and the way that he identifies with everybody in the room, uh, what he does now, he still has that tie to the league. He still knows a lot of players in the league. So uh, when you talk to him about special counsel, you know, you bring him in and when you're asking about a player, you know, should the Canes look at this guy or the Canes looking at this guy, 
one, he either has played with him or knows players who played with him so he can get a different kind of insight on those players. That's the role he's in now. But also just what he means when he walks into the room and, and still to this day when he walks in the room, the guys light up and, and love talking yeah. to him. Uh, when he was named captain, which, as Rod Rindemore said, was a no-brainer, and I won't get into uh, too much detail why he wasn't named captain when he was brought in at first, uh, and that was before Rod was the coach and we'll just leave it there. Um, it's it's one of those situations where you you can become a leader. You can make yourself into a leader, but you got to have something in you, and the great ones, they're just, we're going to go through this flaming door, and we're going to run into this burning building and the great ones are the ones the guys behind him don't even question it they just do it and, and that's just the way that he carries himself and he's just a good person um it just away from the ice he is just a good guy he he cares about others he cares about the team i will always remember the quote uh that he gave when he came back you know he's leaving the caps to sign with the carolina hurricanes and his line was when you see an old friend that's that's down you want to find a way to help him up well i i can argue and I, I don't even think I need to argue it. Uh, his signing coinciding with Rod Brindamore being named the, the head coach, Tom Dundon becoming the majority owner. Those are the, the three dominoes that fall right away that put the Canes on this path. Um, and, and as a player, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny because Rod says it far better and uh, he played with it. So he can uh, answer. He played alongside Justin Williams. He goes, he's going to make the same turnover in game one as he would in game, you know, game one of the regular season as he would in game seven of the Stanley cup. But then he's going to make that same pass again and it's going to work and you're going to score a goal because he doesn't change. He played every game the same and that's how he goes about life. And uh, he comes from a great family and he's a, he's a great family man himself. Uh, it's a well-deserved honor. Uh, this is another question I could spend about 25 minutes on talking about Justin Williams and yeah, um, we can always have you back. <laughs> well, <laughs> get me back after I, I haven't come back from the dry and uh, thin air of Denver, or, <laughs> as I've been joking. Uh, oh. This is not my normal speaking voice. At least it doesn't sound like that to me. I don't know what it sounds like to you. Uh, so I've been joking, and I let Chip know that uh, tomorrow tomorrow might be the Barry White broadcast. Sexy <laughs> pass from Jordan Paul to Sebastian Ajo. That's a goal. Oh. Everybody's gonna love. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna go there, but uh, there's no better music. I'll tell you that. Oh, there's no great. better music. That's great. Well, hey, Mike, we'll let you. We'll let you rest your voice, uh, so Barry doesn't pop up tomorrow night. But uh, <laughs> it could work. We'll, we'll figure it out. So yeah, but a lot of. I've been drinking a lot of tea and honey. There you so. go. Uh, and I have to let Trip know as he asked Rod about coffee in Seattle. And he goes, well, you know, caffeine isn't good for you. I'm like, well, there's a lot of caffeine and tea. So I might not sleep until four in the morning. So we'll figure out what happens <laughs> from here. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, hey, look, we really appreciate your time um, for coming on and talking to us. Uh, hopefully we can have you on again in the future. But um, we'll be watching. We'll be listening. And uh, I'm super excited for the remainder of the season and hopefully on into the playoffs and many more. So uh, thanks, Mike. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. A.B., that was great. Oh, yeah, a lot of fun. Big Rig really contributing to the podcast for this session. <laughs> yeah, um, and we're going to definitely – so I'm going to have to get done with this recording. I'm going to have to go sit down and listen to Kane's cast. Usually I listen to it in the mornings like on my drive, but – 
uh, I may need to go listen to it right now. Yeah, it looks like I may be featured in the episode. Sounds like it. Well, he said he answered your question. So, well, yeah, well, I'll just curious to see what happens. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we've got some couple things to talk about, AB. Um, I want to go through the Pesci injury. I want to go through, um, you know, what we think the defense is going to look like and just a couple things uh, that, you know, our thoughts kind of before we hit this homestand. But before we do that, let's hear from our sponsors. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We're back. We are back. All right. So a couple things I want to talk about, A.B., and I want to get your take on it. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that Jack Drury can't fight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I look, props for him, you know, dropping the gloves with Nick Paul. Like, okay. But. Bro, Wrong guy to drop him with. Bro, Jack, come on now. Um, <laughs> but at least, you know, we saw today that he was getting lessons from Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, that's a that's a positive. Why we that's have him on there? Up. So if Jack decides to drop him, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Leave that to Bunting, Lemieux, and Sveshnikov. <laughs> so and Burns. Uh, so yeah, no, that was I mean. funny. Uh, that was funny. But you know what? <laughs> hey, look, got to give him props. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get your take on the defense. So it was announced today, Brett Pesci. Well, <laughs> when it was first announced it sounded like this guy was gone for the year, you know, going off of what Rod Brendamore said in his press conference and kind of some of the reaction to that that was released. Uh, it made it sound like we weren't going to see Brett for man until the playoffs maybe. Um, but then Kane's PR came out and said that he had surgery on Tuesday for a lower body injury and he'd be out two to four weeks. And then we just heard Mike say probably closer to the four week mark, but, um, what do you think they're going to do with the defense now that Pesci's uh, out for a, for about a month? Just like they're doing right now, they got to figure it out. They have to figure it out. 
I mentioned to Mike maybe bringing Slavin and D'Angelo back together, but he talked about how Rod and Gleason really liked that pairing, and I don't, I don't blame him. Yeah, it's good. But I thought uh, D'Angelo and Shea, like Mike said, looked really great together. Um, and having Chatfield and Orloff um, is definitely a good thing because Chatfield makes up for some of Orloff's mistakes that he makes. And, you know, it's it's all about getting into a groove. You know, we're only seven, seven games in. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're just getting in a groove. Uh Tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this tonight, is, you know, a lot more calmer. They're back. They're with their families. They're back in PNC with the huge Caniacs. And, you know, just to be in front of a home crowd and, you know, be back in the swing of things, you know, have two back-to-back home games, kind of take a breather. You know, I think it's going to figure itself out. Uh, But definitely the penalty kill needs to uh, do better. but not specifically the pen- penalty kill, actually. We just have to stay out of the box because that's what's been killing us. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we've taken a ton of penalties. Um, but, you know, like Mike said, that's going to, you know, you, you think it's going to, you know, tone down a little bit as the season moves on. But, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed kind of just talking uh, since we're talking about the penalty kill is we've got to win the faceoffs. You know, mm-hmm. these these faceoffs to start the power play, you know, in the offensive zone for the other team or in the defensive zone for us, whatever. We've got to win those. I feel like we have not, you know, won a high percentage of those faceoffs, and we're allowing the defense to get set up, or not the defense, excuse me. We are allowing the power play to get set up immediately. And mm-hmm. I, you know, if you can disrupt that power play in the beginning it throws their timing off for the rest of the two minutes, you know? No, definitely. Uh, That's an important game. Yeah. Watching the game last night, it said we were, uh, it was 50, 50 on face-offs, but watching the game, it certainly did not look like it. And like you said, it, the power play when it is in our zone looks great. It looks Mm -hmm. like a top 10 power play in the NHL. Until they have to re-enter the zone. Yeah, the frustrating thing is zone entries. It's just mm-hmm. dump and chase. And you see so many quality teams with talent like the Hurricanes or even better than the Hurricanes in some teams, especially other teams that are playing really well right now. They don't have to dump and chase. We're dumping and chasing, and eight times out of ten, it's not going to work. Because we're just going to go back and forth with sending it back into our own end to sending it back in their end. They just really have to figure out a way to find zone entries. And, you know, when they enter the zone, you know, bring it back up top or uh, look. At, um, the power play. We can't win faceoffs every single time in the zone. We have to learn how to you know, go back in the zone without winning a face-off. That's right. Yeah, I agree with what you just said. I, I, um, but just to touch on the defense before we get into this, uh, this Seattle and San Jose preview, just to kind of get my little two cents here on the defense. I thought the defense has 
especially in the Tampa game, I thought they started to look better. I feel like that game was more of a Carolina Hurricane style play compared to what we've seen to start the season. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that we shot 32 times into Johansson's chest and he saved every one of them, but, you know, <laughs> but defensively, uh, I just thought they played a lot. You know, it felt a lot better uh, mm-hmm. despite the three goals. And I thought uh, Kachekov stood on his head at various points throughout the night. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Orlov's looking better. He's getting more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo actually had a decent defensive game. I looked at the uh, the card, the the what whatever that card is that they put out that shows like uh, game Stat impact sheet, or whatever. Pretty much, yeah. Or like a game impact card that, you know, that Jay Fresh guy or whatever his name yeah. is on mm-hmm. X puts out. And D'Angelo was like uh, second on the team in uh, defensive – I guess play. Who was first? Let me guess. Jalen Chatfield. Wow. Yes. I thought it was going to be Slavin. Well, Slavin, uh, Slavin was on the ice for a couple goals. You know. Yeah, D'Angelo and Orloff played exceptionally well against Tampa. I mean, it was a solid effort compared to what you know they've been doing. But I think I don't think you go back to that pair. Uh, they didn't play together last night. Orlov and D'Angelo didn't play together last night. I, th- I believe Orlov was with Shea, or I mean, uh, Orlov was with Chatfield and D'Angelo was with Shea for most of the night. And it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did because I think Orlov is trying to go off on his little offensive <laughs> experiments <Paralysis>. or whatever <laughs> he does. And you can't leave D'Angelo. I mean, you know, you you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you can't leave D'Angelo there. I just think that – I think there's combinations that they can, you know, figure out uh, to where there's not so much exposure to our third pair. Um, yeah, tonight Pesci, will be a telltale sign. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but anyway, enough enough on that. Tonight. Right. As the time you are listening to this tonight uh, against the Seattle Kraken at seven o'clock at PNC Arena. Seattle's coming into this game with a two, four and one record. Uh, they're coming off of a five, four overtime win at Detroit, who might I add, has had an excellent start. Alex DeBrinkett mm-hmm. is playing phenomenal mm-hmm. to start the year. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, on Tuesday night, they had that five, four overtime win. Solid win for Seattle. Uh, Seattle won the first meeting against Carolina back on the 19th, so just about a week ago. Uh, they won that meeting 7-4. Sure, we will, sure you watched it. Coming into this game, Jaden Schwartz leads Seattle in goals at four, and then Vince Dunn leads in assists and points. Um, currently, Philip Grubauer, right? They're, I guess you could call him their number one goaltender. Uh, he's starting the starting the year at zero and four, but his numbers aren't. Yeah, his numbers aren't terrible. He's had a you know three point oh four goals against, and and point eight nine six save percentage. That's not terrible, I guess. It's not great, but especially the way they started. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but then you look down at uh, Joey Decord, right, and he's the goaltender we saw. Uh, when we played them in Seattle, who has who looked, you know, exceed expectations, at least in my book. Uh, but he is 
two zero and one to start the season. His numbers are a little bit better, not much, but uh, two point eight five goals against and an eight ninety eight save percentage. AB somehow Freddie is two and zero. I know he's been hurt, but uh, our goaltender Freddie Anderson is two and zero to start the season. <laughs> with, with a 4.14 goals against and an 855 save percentage. Um, hey. I don't know how you, I don't know how you get two wins out of that, but well, we'll you know, <laughs> wins are wins, good for him for his stats, but goaltending needs to be back to steady goaltending because you know, you had Ranta, Ranta didn't look yeah. great. Kachekov has looked really good when he's played. It's just he's had a couple of unlucky bounces. And, you know, again, the defensive struggles have played a key part in some of those goals, um, especially penalty right. kill. Um, but you have a Seattle team that had a slow start, and then they lit us up literally with seven yeah. goals. Um and Jaden Schwartz, you have Yanni Gord, you have Jared McCann, you have uh, Jordan Eberle, you have uh, Vince Dunn. Um, and right. I don't know if DeCord is going to start or Grubauer, but I assume after uh, what happened in Seattle, they'll probably start DeCord. Um, so they got to be ready to attack and they got to be ready to stay out of the box, make high quality chances, and, you know, Give 110% because, uh, especially at home after a huge uh, road trip, you know, you got to send the fans home with something happy and be optimistic. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you assume that, uh, well, Freddie's been close to getting back in, right? So you kind of feel like he might get to, he might get this start uh, against Seattle. Uh, maybe it's been released by, you know, the starter has been released by the time you're listening to this, but. We might see Anderson and Grubauer. Um, you know, Decord did play Tuesday night against Detroit. Um, and Seattle's been alternating every night. So maybe we see Grubauer. Or, like you said, maybe they go back to Decord based, you know, because he's already seen Carolina this year. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Uh, one thing to note is Andre Burakovsky is actually out for this game after having surgery for uh, an upper body injury that came on a hit by Jacob Truba. Mm. Uh, against the Rangers on the 21st. So he will be out of the lineup for this game tonight unless some miracle happens to happen. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm really looking for Carolina to control the pace of play. I'm looking for them to play their game, score first, right? You know, tighten up toward the end of the periods. We've given up so many goals right toward the end of the period that could have, you know, changed the entire course of the game. They need to tighten up at the end of these periods and ensure they do not keep, continue to do do that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Win the face-offs, especially on the PK and in the offensive zone. And, then, you know, even in the defensive zone, like everywhere, just win the face-offs. Make sure passes are on target. Passes were sloppy against Tampa. I mean, you know, they just were. You know, we just need to maintain responsibility on their assignments and stop puck watching. Mm -hmm. No, I agree 100%. 100%. Um, one more note before we talk about San Jose. Seattle's power play is 12th in the league currently at 21.7%. Their penalty kill is also 12th at 81.8%. So 
uh, decent, not to the extent of Tampa's, but you know, decent. So, AB, uh, walk us through the San Jose preview for Friday night. So, obviously, San Jose is off to another rough start, to say the least. Um, what we know as of right now, um, San Jose is coming out of a 3-1 loss uh, against Florida on Tuesday night. They're 0-5-1, and um, and they will also play Thursday night at Tampa before arriving in Raleigh. Uh, Carolina uh, won uh, the last time they met, uh, 63. Uh, Zetterlin and Zadina both have two goals and lead the Sharks. Uh, Tomas Hurdle uh, leads in assists and points. Um, San Jose, believe it or not, has the best face-off percentage in the NHL. Oh, great. McKenzie Blackwood and uh, Capo Kakinen are their two goalies. Blackwood's numbers are a little bit better, but, you know, not by much. Um, we're probably going to see the goalie who is not playing against Tampa um, against Carolina. Yeah. And they need to score. The Hurricanes need to score first. You cannot trail from behind especially with a, the home crowd in attendance. I mean, once you get going and once you get the support of 18,000 Kaniacs or whatever capacity it is, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to come back from. So they need to start fast, keep up the pressure, stay out of the box, and, you know, just convert, shoot pucks on net, but also create opportunities and come away with a win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same, really the same keys to the game as Seattle, right? Score first is a big one. We have not been scoring first. Um, we don't need to give San Jose any hope. I mean, you know, <laughs> doesn't need to happen. Um, you know, the assumption is either we'll, we'll see either Freddie or Piotr, depending on who plays Thursday night against uh, Seattle. But, you know, I guess it's possible that we could see Ronta. Uh, maybe he gets a game. Uh, we'll see. So. I'm looking forward to these two games, like you said earlier, getting back into our barn and, you know, getting this ship back on course. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Everything mm -hmm. we want to accomplish, AB, is still in front of us and attainable. That's right. That's right. So. No need to click the big red button. We're We're still okay. All right. Well, that's all I have, AB. Uh, do you have any last thoughts or anything to add, or mm -hmm. are we good? No. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, follow me on X at AB Kaniac Sessions, and you can follow Griff at M underscore Griff 10. Ooh. Yes. Starting to get a little committed, bit better at it. Committed it to memory. Proud of you. Yes. <laughs> and you can follow us on all social media platforms at Kaniac Sessions. And please give this a like, follow, thumbs up, download. Do it all. That's right. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all in session 13. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Kaniac Sessions. To stay up to date on all Kane's news or to interact with Griff and AV, please follow us on X, Instagram, or Facebook at Kaniac Sessions. Let's go Kane. Let's go Kane.